Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This is a work of fiction that contains adult language, murder, and death that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. This is Everyday Death. The smell of two kinds of tea mingled strongly in my little reading room. In my own mug, a rich, earthy chai. In my client's mug, a simple black. Sugar, no milk for her. The woman was young, if I had to guess, maybe just over 20. Her long blonde hair was slightly frizzy from the weather, and I did not see an umbrella, so I assumed she had gotten damp on her walk from wherever she had parked to my shop. The rain must have started while I was in the back room. The woman in the faded yellow cardigan sat at my worn, antique little table, mug clutched in hands with long, slender fingers with chipping pink nail polish, her eyes full of hope and doubt at the same time. She had come to me for the same reason everyone else does. Someone was dead, and she needed closure. Okay, to be fair, that's one of three reasons most people come. It's usually either, what's my path or true purpose? Are they cheating on me? Or, I miss this person dearly, please tell me they are all right. I feel like the first two never quite understand that a medium isn't one to make predictions. I can't tell you your future or the winning lottery numbers any more than your grandmother could when she was alive. What I can do is see or hear things not of this world, sometimes like a poorly functioning cell phone tower. I get service, but it's not always perfectly clear exactly, or I don't have all the answers clients are looking for. Some of the answers they have to find for themselves, but I can at least usually get good guidance on a situation. It works out for the majority of people who come to see me, or I guess at least it must, because I keep getting clients. I didn't expect to ever be doing this, really. I suppose that's why I only had one tiny tea table in the back room of my bookshop. The room I did these readings in wasn't anything special. It was mostly things I had gotten from yard or estate sales. Some reclaimed wood paneling on one wall, an antique tea table, mismatched chairs, an old sideboard with a stash of tea, and an electric tea kettle. The room did not have dream catchers or a lot of mystical decorations or 10,000 crystals. It's pretty much me, an offer of a cup of tea, and no, I'm not reading loose leaves, you're getting a tea bag like everyone else, and a discussion with whoever shows up. The appointment was nearing the end of its allotted time. I'm nobody fancy, so there wasn't a line of people waiting or anything. So if we ran over, I was certainly not chasing this woman out of my shop. She missed her grandmother, and she needed this. There was a knock at the door, and the woman startled. Excuse me, I said softly, and had to crack the door open a bit. I was annoyed because Jamie, my employee running the checkout, knew better than to knock on the door unless it was a situation they couldn't handle. Jamie could handle most anything, so I was annoyed that a customer was likely causing a stink in a used bookstore. I was surprised to see my daughter on the other side of the door. At 17, Jewel was just getting home from school and was supposed to be getting ready for a dance class, so it struck me as odd that she was not upstairs in the apartment over the shop. What's wrong? I asked. She pushed her long, blue-tipped hair out of her face and replied simply, Dad's here. Her father, my ex, wasn't supposed to pick her up until tomorrow. Is everything okay? Jewel shrugged. Sorry, Mom. I don't know. He's here with Ian, and he's in uniform. He says everything's fine, but I don't know. He said when you're done, he wants to talk to you about something. I took a breath and heaved a sigh. 
Okay, JJ, thank you. They can wait in the store or upstairs. I'll be about five more minutes. Jules smirked. I'll stall them for ten. Smiling back, I nodded. Thanks, kiddo. I returned to my client, sitting down and apologizing for the interruption. Did you have any other questions, Dana? Taking a deep, shuddering breath, the woman fiddled with the sleeves on her well-worn sweater and asked, I just, I just want to be sure, would she be proud? I paused, letting information come to me. Everyone and everything communicates differently. Sometimes it's pictures, sometimes words, sometimes feelings. The elderly woman I could mostly feel, not hear, but it was also a rapid fire of images. Yes, I said, you've come such a long way. She's proud you've got your one-year chip. Your relationship is healthy. Your job is steady. I could feel the sunshine of a smile and more images. She says you were thinking of naming the baby after her. She says not the angelicized name, the actual Gaelic name. She always liked that one better. The woman startled. She hadn't mentioned this. She certainly wasn't showing. So many times I get asked, how did you know about certain things? I keep wondering why they come if they don't think I'm serious, but I suppose curiosity. Small town, really salt of the earth people don't normally buy into this kind of stuff, but maybe they just have a hope that I am serious. This woman spared me that question. She just smiled, and I was struck by how much it resembled her grandmother's smile. Sunshine, full and genuine. Yeah, she really hated the way they changed it from Gaelic. If it is a girl, I think I will use that name, she told me. She stood, handing me her empty tea mug. She seemed lighter, more at ease, and I knew that she had gotten what she needed from our time together. Her voice was much more steady as she spoke. Thank you again. Do you mind if I give my friend your information? I think she could really use your help. Of course, absolutely. Give me a call any time you need, I assured her. That's my only real business model anyway. If I don't have the budget for a hundred crystals in an actual office, I'm certainly not going to advertise anything outside of the little sign in my shop window anyway. Now, what the hell did my ex want? I saw my client out at least as far as the shop proper. I ran New Moon Books, a used bookstore. Well, mostly used books. I did keep a fair collection of incense, occult books, oils, salts, herbs, and yes, crystals. Not to the extent I really wanted, but it was the used books that made the bulk of my business. My small backwoods town didn't have a huge calling for anything mystical, but I did do a fair run of side business in medium readings and occult supplies to one group. Sometimes I even get called out to houses for readings or hauntings. Nobody openly admitted to visiting me or using my mediumship services, not in this town, but I was like a black market spiritual commodity. It was enough to pay the mortgage anyway. Outside the shop, there were two detectives chatting with Jewel, badges visible, guns on hip. Oh, great, was my first thought. Frankie almost never just popped in unexpectedly. He never did anything unexpectedly. And his partner was in the shop with him. Not that I mind Ian, really. It just meant that Frankie wanted something, and it also meant he was still on duty. Frankie Ramilda and I had split before Jewel was even born. I was 16, he was 18. It had been an unexpected fling between the captain of the varsity football team and the weird goth kid. I think Frankie had thought what was sort of mystical and exotic was done for show, and I would eventually grow out of the psychic shit, as he put it. 18-year-old Frankie did not understand that I was serious when I said the things I said. Honestly, I think 35-year-old Officer Frank Romilda still didn't think I was serious. 
Anyway, Frankie came from a very Italian, very Catholic family, and people like me and my family just really did not fit in. They had pressed for a shotgun wedding, but the one thing Frankie and I did agree on was that us being together was the absolute worst idea to put anyone through. Despite the fact that we still completely did not see eye to eye on anything relating to my side business, Frankie wasn't a bad guy. He was a good dad to Jewel, he was a good detective, he was also just boring and frankly unimaginative. Ian, Frankie, I said, trying to keep my voice friendly. What's going on? Frankie shifted uncomfortably, his dark eyes looking at his polished shoes. Hey, Reese, sorry to drop in like this, but, well, Ian and I were hoping to talk to you, if that's okay. I felt my eyes narrow suspiciously. Okay. I gestured to the room I used for reading. I have the reading room, or we can go upstairs, whichever you prefer. Frankie scrunched his nose at the reading room. No, let's go upstairs, if you don't mind. I checked in with Jamie at the front counter. I don't have anything else on the books for this afternoon, right? They scanned the appointment book quickly, dark eyes dancing over the pages. Nope, you're clear. And yes, before you ask, I will be fine. I'll text you if I need anything, but I got you, Reese. A flash of a smile danced across their dark-skinned face. Thanks, Jamie. You're the best. I really did adore Jamie. They only worked here part-time afternoons so that I could handle Jewel's needs or do readings, but I also do think that Jamie just genuinely found peace in the shop. I led Frankie and Ian upstairs. Jewel was just leaving, her dance bag slung over her shoulder. You good, Mum? she asked, one eyebrow raised in silent furtherance of her question. Yeah, all good. Text me when you get to class, please, and have fun. I gave her a kiss on the cheek and whispered, I'll fill you in later. She nodded, called goodbye to her father, and was off. I turned to the two men in my home. Well, gentlemen, what brings you here? Frankie hesitated, and Ian stared at him for what felt like eternity. I disrupted the silence as I have no patience for it with Frankie. Stephanie all right? The boys? Stephanie was Frankie's wife, and they had two boys, John and Scott. Frankie immediately shook his head. Oh, no, they're fine. It's just... There's a missing girl. I know this is really, really out of character, but Reese, I could use your help on this one. Please. Everyday Death is written and produced by Melissa Croft. I hope you are enjoying this story. If you enjoy what you are hearing, please subscribe to hear new episodes every Monday. Thank you for listening.